This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Self-managed super fund, it pops up every now and again. People think, do I set up a self-managed super fund? Should I buy a property with my super, which would need a self-managed super fund? So we're going to talk about that today. We're also going to talk about the differences in some industry fund investments, indexed investments and retail fund investments. But we can't do today's episode without the help of Sharesies. So thank you to Sharesies for partnering with us on Tuesdays. With the Sharesies platform, you can invest with no minimum. It's so easy. You can buy shares or portfolios of shares on the Sharesies app from just one cent. This is perfect if you're just starting out and keen to get a vibe on how investing works. You can get $10 added to your account when you sign up to the Sharesies platform using the exclusive promo code MMM. All investing involves risks, T's and C's and fees apply. My name's Glenn James. You're listening to My Millennial Money, joined by John Pigeon from the My Millennial Property Podcast. Let's get it on, baby. John Pigeon, my millennial property podcast host extraordinaire. Let's talk about buying an investment property in super. Now, you've got some experience in this yourself. Maybe you can share some motherhood statements because Joanne Hodge said, thoughts on using super to purchase a property. Good question, Joanne. And uh, it's quite a common thought when people's superannuation isn't performing for them to the level that they expect. So they think, let's go and set up a self-managed super fund and go and buy a good old residential property. Mm. Not as easy as that, is it? There's a lot more rules and implications around buying in your self-managed super fund or a self-managed super fund. And the first one is lending, isn't it? It's a lot stricter in terms of uh, how much we can lend, how much we uh, we have to put down as deposit. Often it's up to 30% and interest rates are generally a little bit higher. So that's a negative. But I suppose the high level thought is, do we want to be a savvy property investor in our personal name as well as put our superannuation into property as well? It's like all we've got in our life is property. So we probably mm. need a little bit more diversification in that. Now, in relation to your own experience with this, John, like you've got property in a self-managed super fund, but you've now thought, hang on, there's more to life than property and you've actually started to diversify, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, probably going the other way and, and building a, a share portfolio within my super as opposed to 
um, property inside super. So, yeah, I just thought there's too many restrictions inside super with property. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is we can't use the equity from the property within the super. So we can't expand on that and and we can't improve. We can't use equity to, to do a renovation as such. So there's, there's many restrictions there. So I thought, well, it's much easier to just concentrate on that outside of super and let superannuation do what it's designed to do. And that's uh, have a, a balanced share portfolio. Yeah. So, well, I think superannuation is designed to build wealth for your retirement, um, not necessarily a balanced share portfolio, but I get what you're saying. Uh, but let's, um, not to correct you. Uh, but I will. But, but I will, of course. Uh, let's look at some actual examples. So motherhood statement, you know, everyone is free to set up a self-managed super fund. Like you can set up a self-managed super fund and just invest in direct equities, you can set up a self-managed super fund, invest 100% in Bitcoin. So the reasons why some people choose to set up a self-managed super fund is to have more exposure or a little bit more control. Because if we look at existing super funds, whether it's an industry fund or a retail fund, public offer fund, all that stuff, the trustee has a responsibility to make prudent investment decisions for the members. So you don't actually own your super, quote unquote, it falls outside of your estate and that money is invested in a trust and you are the beneficiary or a member with a a portion of that money that's got your name on it. So that's number one. So, you know, you can't log into your current super fund and say, oh, can I invest 100% in one equity? Can I invest 100% in Bitcoin? The trustee will not allow that. Uh, so that's why, you know, the trustees with a lot of funds, they're pretty conservative. So you might decide to set a self-managed super fund because you want more sex and violence with your super. But we know the the stats say that when most people get their own mitts on their own money, they'll do less than just leaving it in a balanced portfolio. Like they'll have a worse return because, you know, you want to fix it and do better and it just doesn't happen. But from a basic economics point of view, I really don't believe anything less than $200,000 is worth having a self-managed super fund. Because just in the first year to set up the fund, it might cost $2,500 because you're going to need to get an accountant or a self-managed super fund uh, specialist to set up that fund on your behalf. There might also be at least $2,000 in the first year for the accounting fees because you're setting up its own entity and every entity in Australia with a tax file number needs to do a tax return each year. So there could be that there. Now, if you are wanting to buy a property with debt in a self-managed super fund, you need to enter into a, they call it a LRBA and that is a limited recourse borrowing arrangement. Um, And as you said, John, you will need a higher deposit than in your own name. You can actually get deposits now for around 20%. So you'll need to put up 20% of your own money, of the super's money rather, uh, towards that property. So setting up the LRBA, you have to put the property in the name of a bear trust. So B-A-R-E, it's a trust there just to hold that property uh, when there's the LRBA attached to it, the limited recourse borrowing arrangement, which is basically the mortgage. Now that could cost a $2,000 fee 
to set up the bear trust. So realistically, in year one, just to rock up without buying any assets, without a property, there could be $6,500 worth fees. Now, if you had a $200,000 balance, that's 3.25% in year one. If someone said, oh, my super fees this year were 3.25%, you would go into orbit. Like, you know, most people's super fund, the fees are well under 1%. So Mm. year two ongoing, if there was just an accountant's fee and an audit fee because all super funds need to be audited, that could be $2,000. So that's 1%. So that's just before we talk about investing in ETFs with their fees, before buying a property and having interest fees for the mortgage, before having a an, a property manager and their fees. So just to rock up, realistically, I honestly think $200,000 has got to be the bare minimum of the total fund balance. Now, you can have up to six members of a self-managed super fund in Australia. Now, it could be John and I, we're business partners, kind of are, I guess. You could you would say that, wouldn't you, John? I'd say that, Glenn. A lot of people don't know that most of the talking that John and I do together is with a microphone with records. So. <laughs> <laughs> not, not hanging out on the boat. Not hanging out on the boat. Um, but if John and I were business partners and our spouses, you know, my quote unquote spouse that I don't have, <laughs> the four of us could combine our super. And if we each had $100,000 in our current super fund, we could put it into a fund and that would be $400,000. And if John had two adult kids, we could add them into the fund as well. And don't quote me on that. I'm not a super fund specialist, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's it's fine yeah. to have that arrangement. But the reason why John and I might have a super fund together as business partners, because we might have a trucking business and we want to buy a big warehouse with our super fund to keep the trucks and our business rents the warehouse from our super fund. Mm. So- that's kind of why you would do it. Yeah, and I think that makes sense to me from that perspective. As I see, a lot of business owners do that, uh, but it's indeed commercial property, not residential property yep. um, because they do have that business. But uh, even on those establishment costs and bear trusts and annual fees, et cetera, I think that's even on the lean side. I've seen costs uh, almost double that in, in a lot of cases. Yeah, and I think I have been conservative there. I've recently set up a self-managed super fund for myself and one of the quotes to establish the fund was well over $3,000 and I didn't go there. I went somewhere else, but these fees can add up quickly. But what I want to do, John, uh, just to help Joanne out with some physical number crunching, let's assume that Joanne has a super fund of $200,000. She sets up a self-managed super fund and wants to buy a $600,000 property, residential property. We can get, and I've had a look, uh, I spoke to a mortgage broker, you can get a loan uh, with an 80% loan with a 20% deposit, but the current interest rates, including the very recent one, is 7.84%. So, starts to add up, doesn't it? Totally does. Now, with her $200,000 balance, she has to put $120,000 of the deposit, right? So she's got 80 grand left over. Now, she'll have to pay some stamp duty, might be 20 grand in her state. So that means there's 60 grand left over. 
some banks or lenders will require a 10% liquidity amount to actually settle the mortgage. So if the loan was 480000 some might say you need $48,000 of cash in the fund for us to actually do this. So mm. you can see we're getting very, very lean with this money. Now, I, I looked at a mortgage calculator, 25-year term, principal and interest, because you can't do interest only with your super fund LRBA, it's thirty six eighty four per year. So that's basically $44,000 a year in mortgage repayments. Yeah. And if the rent was $650 a week, that's thirty three, just under $34,000. Uh, there's a $10,000 negative hole there. Yeah. And the negative gearing isn't as sexy then in your own name because the tax rate inside super is only 15%. Not that we're doing things uh, from a tax strategy point driving the decision. Uh, as you said, John, you can't renovate the property. You can't add capital improvements to the property. That's 650 a week on a 600K property is definitely on the high side too, isn't it? If you yeah. if you take a conservative approach and go like 500, that's 25. You're nearly 20, 20 grand in the drink. So I usually say the reasons that you would set up a self-managed super fund, one, you've got just the biggest boner for buying property. <laughs> like <laughs> you just like you're a property fiend, like you just want to buy a property and, you know, you're going to need at least 200 grand to rock up to the party, like number one. Number two, you've got a significant net worth and your super balance is quite large. Mm. Now, there are some, you can actually get some good fee savings with admin fees and whatnot with a super fund. Number three, uh, it could be that you've got a complex estate planning issue and you need more control at a trustee level uh, rather than some rando making a decision, you know, if it comes to that. So mm. you can control the trust uh, a lot better with your wishes. And then next one is, in some weird situation, I've, I've actually had clients with this before. They set up a self-managed super fund because they wanted to buy shares in the company that they worked for and they wanted to use some of their super to do that. And the trustees wouldn't allow them to buy shares in a company that was outside the ASX 300 or something like that. And, and that kind of flows into the, what the hell are you doing putting heap of money into specky stock just because you work there? Like, um, but this whole thing around diversification, like you own your house in your own name, you might have a mortgage on it that you live in, you got your super, well, do we want just more property everywhere? So it is a diversification play as well. Uh, that you really need to think about. And the one you mentioned earlier, obviously, is is commercial property as opposed to resi where you're the business owner and you've bought a warehouse or an office space or something like that. Yeah. So another thing as well, um, you know, if Joanne did this and was on 100 grand a year and round numbers, 10% super, there was 10 grand going in, the super guarantee can go towards paying the mortgage repayments. But if that's the only real money that Joanne had, her super isn't quote unquote growing with real dollars. It's just her super contributions of plugging the hole from the mortgage costs. Yeah. When we looked at it seriously, uh, both, both for clients and, and personally, and, and we don't recommend it in super itself from a company level, but when interest rates are really low, 
I reckon we needed a 6% gross yield. Um, today's numbers where you've mentioned 784 we need close to 10% to make this actually work and viable. Otherwise, our contributions are, as you mentioned, going to the holding costs of the property. Mm. So that's it. Like I, I'm by all means not against self-managed super. As I said, like the last few months I've opened my own fund for my reasons uh, with what I'm doing. But you just have to understand how it all works. And, you know, I, I'd rather someone like Joanne, if you are serious about buying another property – maybe your first property, it might be more prudent to buy in your own name. Don't know. But mm. hey, it's a it's a good chat, isn't it? Yeah. And for those who like the shenanigans that we do, hang around today for the after party. Uh, after the end credits and when we officially end the show, quote unquote, I've got a couple of fraud stories that I was involved with, <laughs> but oh, not, wow. not a victim, but very, well, one questionably... Um, yeah, so I've had a few fraud things happen to me in the last um, couple of weeks. Really? So yeah, we'll, we'll share that. It's a bit of fun, actually. Can't wait. Do you want to read the question there from Joanne? Another, Another Joanne. Joanne. Yes. Wow. Joanne Day. Joanne says, "How do you change your money mindset when you have such guilt associated with spending?" It seems to come and go in phases, but I'm really feeling it at the moment. Even though I just started a splurge account with plenty in it. I even feel bad just buying my daughter clothes for the next season. I recognise she'll need clothes, but I still feel so bad about getting them. Why? Mm, with a W-H-Y-Y-Y-Y-Y. Um, you don't have this problem, do you? Oh, yeah. I mean, have you got an hour? Um, <laughs> can you give me your initial thoughts on this, John? Look, I think my initial thoughts when I read this is – You've got to clothe your daughter. <laughs> you've, yeah. you've got to put clothes on the back. Um, and I think the necessities in life are roof over the head, clothes on the back. Uh, she may be, and it's a really common feeling, I think, for a lot of people, Joanne. So that's the first part. You're not alone there. Um, the, the second part is, well, what are we spending our money on and how much discretional spending are we having or splurging on each month? Um and if we look at that and say, well, we, we don't, we might eat out occasionally, we haven't got any car loans, we haven't got any personal loans, there's no credit card debt, we, we, we look at the, uh, the, the shopping trolley and be careful about what we choose there and we, we, we're not buying clothes every other minute. I don't think she's in a position where she, she needs to feel bad about this. Uh, I think she needs to give herself a free kick and say, look, my, my, my daughter needs to be clothed and I need the bare essentials to get through. There might be this, uh, I suppose, squeeze on people's uh, incomes or, or spending at the moment just purely because of the cost of living. Yes, you're not alone, but I think we need the bare essentials to get through. So I think you need to to look at it and if we've got a really thorough uh, spending analysis and we, we understand our cash flow management and we've got our buffers in our life and all the non-negotiables we talk about, then I, I think you've just got to ideally let go of this part and and uh, get it happening there. But if you're sitting there saying, well, I'm riddled with debt, I, I, I don't know what's coming in and what's going out and I'm, I'm spending aggressively, I suppose, then yes, you need to have a good hard look at your spending and, and rein it in. But by the sounds of it from Joanne, this isn't the case. Mm. What do you think? Well, I hope you haven't noticed my note under that and started to speak about it because John and I use a Google Sheet for these questions and 
or a Google document and I've written some notes throughout this document. But <laughs> I, I kind of drew like a diagram poorly with text and hyphens and Yeah, I didn't know things. what the hell that was to be yeah. honest. So well, it I says did. spectrum with a line through it anyway. So what I think, number one, Joanne, often with our money and how we feel about money and how we react with our money probably comes from the most influential years in our life. And that is uh, growing up in a household as a child, uh, could even be in our teenage years when we first get a job and start getting money and that compounding with the household that we're living in. Uh, so I'd probably just pause and do a bit of an autopsy and look back growing up of what your feelings and experiences around money were growing up. Because if you grew up in, you know, there's a lot of people that have grown up uh maybe in government housing, maybe with parents who may have been on welfare due to situation out of their control and money was tight. And, you know, spending any money always had this, oh my gosh, there's not that much. We shouldn't be spending this, but we need to. So that stuff can follow through with you for years and years. So I, I wrote the word spectrum. So first have a bit of an autopsy on your experiences with money growing up. Be a bit self-aware if you can. It's a lot easier than uh, for some than others to be self-aware. Uh, but what I want you to then do is on the spectrum, if there was a line on the far left of the line, uh, we can say in terms of financially, uh, you're in debt, your cash flow's a mess, you don't have a great income, you're literally living week to week, overspending, you know, horrendous situation. On the far right of the spectrum, you're basically very wealthy. The facts say that you've got 300 grand in cash in the bank account. You don't have a mortgage. Everything's awesome. Money's not your problem. And then in the middle, it could be kind of, you know, things are tight. Uh, we're living in Australia and it's tight right now and, you know, can't have it all, but we don't have any consumer debt and things are pretty good. So, what you need to really work out, I believe, is on the spectrum, what does the facts say about your current financial situation? You're right, John, you need to clothe your kids. That's awesome. And you need to do that. But just removing the kids' clothes for a thing, for a second, if you're on the far left and your life's a financial mess and you're getting to the, you're listening to this podcast and you've been involved now and you're like, I need to really clean up my mess because we've all been in financial messes all of us. We've all started, well, I reckon most people who listen to this podcast have started from zero basically. And if your own stupidity, and I've been stupid before and, you know, credit card debt and all that stuff, overspending and, you know, eat, pray, loving on a credit card around the world. And, you know, and you want to go and buy some luxury item for yourself. Yeah, sure. Maybe feel a bit of guilt because you need to be paying down your freaking mess and doing all that. Now, within the millionaire thing, if there's guilt there, you got all the, the facts say you've got all the money in the world and you're still feeling guilty for even buying some small luxuries for yourself. There, there's probably a really good case for some psychology, like some clinical help to actually go, the facts say it's all good, but for the last few years, I cannot shake this. There is this guilt and they can unpack all that. But on the kids' clothing thing, you know, Joanne, like, She's in the middle, things are tight, it's not crazy. You know, there's a kid's um, 
clothing spectrum. Like on the far left, it could be Vinnie's secondhand, like, you know, basically really secondhand, low cost. You know, in the middle, it could be your Target, your Kmart, I don't know. I don't heaps buy kids' clothes. And on the far right-hand side, it could be like your country road and your actual, you know, $90 for, you know, a three-year-old's jumper. Like, I think you've just got to do an autopsy, be self-aware about your own situation and try and pinpoint the facts are this. I don't need to feel guilty about buying some clothes for my children through Target because we've actually got the money. So that's all I would say. Try and step back, be self-aware to the situation and One thing I would add to that, I suppose, that just has come to mind and I've been seeing it and feeling it with, with Clarity Course that I've been doing is people are, are pretty hard on themselves and I, and I think that's a, a, lot of, a lot of it's to do with what they're comparing it to or them to. So, yeah, and I said to Jane when I mentioned it before, like give yourself a free kick if you think it's worthy. Uh, like if yes, you've got to rein some things in, but be realistic in what you can and can't do. So don't compare yourself to someone else out there that's doing this or that. Yeah, totally. Daniel says, had a chat to a financial advisor yesterday and they said industry super funds are just as good as a starting point and should change to one with quote-unquote actively managed funds. I always understood from being around these groups slash podcasts, et cetera, that most managed funds struggle to meet or beat an index. Am I being served a sales pitch? There's actually a little bit to unpack here. If you are talking to a bricklayer and you said to the bricklayer, well, how should I build my house? They're going to say, oh, double brick, the only way to go. Like if, <laughs> I mean, if you call your local industry fund office and go, I want to speak to an industry fund, I want to speak to one of your advisors there, uh, there's a fair chance they're going to say, this fund here is an industry fund, it's the only way to go. You go down to the uh, Volvo dealership, I'm after a new car, what do you think? Oh, Volvo, it's the only way to go. But when it comes to super and funds, it is a little bit different here in Australia. Do you know how it's different, John? We're privileged. Yeah, I mean, that's taken as red, but like, do you want me to explain to you, John, the differences? Oh, look, knock yourself out with explanation, please. I would love to. When we look at superannuation, you really can't compare funds inside super with outside super because most super funds their portfolios that are multi-asset will have a decent chunk that have unlisted property within the funds. So super funds, industry super funds, they'll go and buy a shopping centre down the road and appropriate a portion of that fund to the portfolio. I have not seen that you can invest in a multi-sector, one-stop shop portfolio outside of super that has an active portion of unlisted property. So that's why industry super funds have performed so well is because they've got a large asset allocation to unlisted property, commercial, industrial, all that stuff. So you really can't compare a blended industry super fund option like the default balanced or high growth option with the Vanguard diversified high growth fully indexed option outside of super because they are not like for like. 
So that's why maybe this advisor said industry funds are a good starting point. Choose one with actively managed because it probably will perform better than the index only option within the fund um, because of the unlisted property in the portfolio. If you want a real example of this, for those who have my book, on page 291, I compared a super fund that had a balanced default blended option and a low cost index option that had Australian shares, international shares. I think it had some fixed interest. And that's a low cost index fund within the super fund, right? That was cheaper than the balanced fund, but the balanced fund that had unlisted property, actively managed equities, international and Australian, and cost more to hold, outperformed the indexed portion. All that to say, you're probably not being served a sales pitch. It's just different in Australia with industry super funds and some other types of public offer funds like Australian Retirement Trusts and uh, Aware Super that large portions of their portfolios have unlisted property and unlisted infrastructure even. Great blurb. Um, For Daniel, he walks into Ford, he's going to be sold Ford is basically what we're, we're, you're talking about there. So is it advisable for him to look at industry funds and then compare public and everything else and then draw a comparison? Yeah, so in the book, and I'm, I'm just saying my book because I spend a lot of time on this because a lot of people go, well, how can I compare super funds? It's all got to do with the asset allocation. So an index investment option is low cost because a computer just models it based on an index. Or an active fund has active management and active stuff costs more. So if you buy CBA shares, every day you get the share price. But if you had an unlisted property, it was a shopping center, to get a yearly valuation, it might cost you $60,000 with a valuer. Yeah. So active always costs more. Just because the fees cost more doesn't mean the performance will be less, but it all comes back to understanding each single investment option, what portion is Australian equities, what portion is international equities. And if you are comparing super funds industry or not, you've got to look at the investment options and compare the most reasonable asset allocation as possible. It's all to do with the asset allocation. Mm. We'll take a break and we'll come back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. We're talking the community segment of the week where we ask you in the Facebook group random questions and we read out your name and all your wacky ideas. We can't do this segment without the help of Sky Wealth. Make sure you get your income insurance sorted. Please, you've got an income, you need to protect it. If you don't need to protect it, you don't need it. If you don't need it, why are you working? Go and chill. Sky.com.au forward slash MMM, complimentary discussion. They can show you how the process works. We asked everyone, what the best low-cost experience you have enjoyed with your family? So, John, do you have any that you've enjoyed with your own family? Yeah, speaking of chill, oh, the the biggest one we have and our go-to every year is getting back to the farm and free activities on the farm, thanks to my brother. So, trucks, tractors, sheep, dogs, like just fresh air and space is, is basically our go-to there. So, love it. Recharges the batteries and uh, away we go again. What about you? I just take my family to the front lawn with a lawnmower. Hey, kids, it's family time. Strap in. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin Marie, going to park run every Saturday morning. Mm. The community is amazing. There you go, a bit of exercise, a bit of get out of the house. That is good, yeah. Taylor Marie, my daughter loves a trip to this great local pet shop. Lots of animals and fish and it's always busy. People bring their dogs in. There's a dog wash too, totally free, and she has a bowl. Awesome. Danny Martha, hiking, beach, roller skating. Stephanie, our council is pretty good at putting on some free events, usually pack dinner and a picnic and take it with us to enjoy it. It's a good one. Nate Lang, camping. Yeah, I mean, camping can bloody add up though. We're actually going camping this weekend and, yeah, you're still punching out some dollars, but it is off-grid and there'll be no one to annoy. So that's that's. Where good. are you going? Uh, we are going to Barrington Tops. Oh, awesome. You get snow up there in the colds of winter. It will be nippy. Mm. I had a friend's birthday party couple of weeks ago and they're from Sydney and heaps of our friends are from the coast in Newcastle and and they said, oh, we're doing Glenworth Valley, which for those in Sydney's hour, well, less than an hour north of Sydney. And they had um, glamping. They're like, if you want to come camping, you can pay and have the glamping set up and all that. So I think the two-night site fee there was $139 and I think the glamping setup for the two nights that I paid was... Four or five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've noticed them. They're pretty smick. We've been there a few times with just with our swags, and we see those pretty <laughs> smick set up glamping options. We- anyway, <laughs> and they're like, oh, and we're having a dinner at the main function centre. Anyway, did I end up going camping? Nah, couldn't be bothered. So <laughs> I gave Dirty Mike and Joe Lee my tent, and <laughs> I just went down for the dinner. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go camp, and they all froze. <laughs> oh, I would have. Um, it does get cold there, but a good spot. TJ Middleton, geocaching. Mm. I, I did know what that was, but I forget. I think it's something to do with like a computer sport thing or got to yeah. catch them all. It's, a, it's some sort of outdoor recreational activity. It's um, You use GPS to find hidden items. I know I suppose yeah. someone else finds, uh, 
puts them and you've got to find them. Yeah, geocaching is a real world outdoor adventure that is happening all the time all around the world. Yeah, so it's like you've got to catch them all, peeps. Yeah. do it. No, it's good. Uh, Marcus says, outdoor bushwalking, it's free, indoors making pizza with the kids from scratch, including the dough. Yeah, that's actually a cool one. Um, it's not, not totally free, but it's definitely cheaper than getting the old Uber Eats. Tamara Van Galen, afternoon beach barbecues and board games. King of Tokyo is our favourite. Mm, that's uh, I haven't heard of that, but um, board games are always good, aren't they? Julia says, free activities in our local library, code club for kids, watercolour lessons, craft, meditation for the adults. Jeez, if I could go to the library and meditate while my kids did free activities, uh, that'd be a miracle. When I go to the library, it's always a flipping circus. I'm like, it's supposed yeah. to be quiet around here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, but also don't go to the library in school holidays. Um, Nikki McLaughlin. This is interesting. We do a family restaurant where we make a menu for our kids, 732. They get $5 to spend and they choose what they would like at the restaurant. They love us dressing up as chefs and serving them like a waiter. <laughs> Although we also get comments from our friends that yeah. are also coming over for a $2 steak. That's and cool. there's a, a, a restaurant from mum and dad menu here. Main course, sushi, $2, <laughs> pork belly, $2. Appetizers and desserts, French fries, a dollar, popcorn, lolly mix, ice cream. So, I love yeah, that. That's fun. Is that's that's twofold, isn't it? It's a bit of fun and it's cheap, and it also gets them into the kitchen and active. I, I wish I had that when I was growing up. Totally. Amy's away at the moment, and Max is doing our cooking. All right. That's all for the community segment of the week. Thanks to Sky Wealth. We'll leave it right there. Radio. Some housekeeping. Ah, oh, speaking of Sky Wealth. Uh, On Tuesday, the 11th of July, there is a webinar. It's called Beyond Super. Is the insurance in your super fund enough? Are you aware of the limitations of the insurance provider by your super fund? Join us for an eye-opening webinar where we delve into the world of insurance within super funds, discover the key differences between group insurance and retail insurance, and understand why retail insurance might be a more reliable option. We'll put a link in the show notes for that webinar. Just on the podcast front, retire right. If you're over 55, if you've got a another boner for money, retirement content, <laughs> is that bad to say? Whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever. At this stage in my podcasting career, whatever. Uh, retire right, over 55s. I want everyone to show your parents and grandparents how to listen to podcasts if they don't know how. Some people don't know how yet. My mum... She listens to them. She knows how. She's hip. She's cool. Um, But the purpose of Retire Right was for you to show your parents and grandparents and let us tell them how to retire so you don't have to fund them. My Millennial Daily is now available on Apple as well. Five, 10-minute daily episodes, kind of the best of My Millennial content across all our shows without the fluff, none of this crap happening. Um, So yeah, that's no longer Spotify exclusive. I guess the deal's over now so I can talk about it, whatever. Um, I signed when Spotify approached me. I said, yeah, I'll do it, but I want to own the feed and uh, that's why you might not see a heap of other of your Spotify shows that were cancelled continuing because I negotiate pretty hard and it's our show. And finally, we hate email spam so we don't create it. We do a fortnightly email newsletter We teach only valuable stuff. We let you know what's happening in the My Millennial Money community. We share information, concepts, all that stuff. There's a link in the show notes also if you want to sign up. 
We've totally redone all our emails. We just send one fortnightly email now and the odd blast for important stuff. Uh, we don't have funnels and all that crap now. Uh, we're just really less is more when it comes to the My Millennial Money community. All right, housekeeping done. John, this one's for you. Jesse Williams said, hi, MMM. Generally speaking, how accurate are bank valuations better than real estate agents? I got my property valued last year in September, October by my lender to try and unlock some equity in it. Between myself, my broker and CoreLogic, I had a figure in my head uh, with its value. Well, NAB came back $100 over that figure. I don't know whether to be stoked or suspicious. Be stoked. Next question. Adam says, no, joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse, in this instance, you're stoked. Uh, let's let's just put it that way. Um, the the bank vales come in high, but let's let's break this down for a minute. Yourself, real estate agents, and bank valuers are all individuals, and all individuals have different interpretations of what something looks like and feels like and and is valued in at. Right? Some are emotionally invested. Some are just pure logic and numbers. And then call logic and and check out my millennial property because I've just interviewed Eliza Owen, head of research at Core Logic. Uh, she'll be on. That will drop in the next few weeks. But Core Logic have algorithms that update their valuations daily based on what's sold in that previous three month period. So that's always going to be changing. Who's the winner here? Who's the most accurate? Well. It's open to interpretation. But for your purpose, Jesse, the higher the better for you because it means that you can, uh, if you own this property, you can extract equity out of it and uh, and go and do wonderful things with it. If you're wanting to buy that property, you want that valuation to come in on the purchase price and not under. It rarely comes in over because they don't do that, but it, it you don't want it to come in under the, what you've paid for it because that's a warning sign in itself. So just realize that everyone's just individuals and, and I would say get three valuations when you've got a property that you want valued. I would get three banks to do three separate evaluations, three different individuals and see what it comes in at. I had an instance in 2014 where we had three valuations done and they were 300K apart for that one property. So they saw it three different ways and there was a 300K discrepancy. No mistake, we went with the highest valuation because that meant more equity. When I was at the Keith Urban concert in Newcastle, at the start of the year. Love Keith. Oh my gosh. Um, and Nicole. She's good. Love her. Um, I'm at Newcastle Entertainment Centre waiting for my friend at the bar line. Some guy comes up to me, I forget your name, Ben or Matt or something like that. <laughs> oh, hey, Glenn, how are you? I'm like, good. Oh, I listened to the podcast. Yeah, I valued your uh, Newcastle property for you. <laughs> <laughs> Was it good? I'm like, did you hook me up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but look, I honestly think between yourself and your broker, like that's cute. You know, you're talking to your broker to try and unlock some equity. Ultimately, whatever a bank valuer says is what the gospel is. And, you know, you said NAB came back with 100K over that figure. Well, if you needed to get more equity to buy another property, as you said, John, you might go and get another lender out and CBA values it and their valuer says, oh, it's 150 grand over. Well, you're probably refinancing everything to CBA. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Now, in terms of real estate agents, uh, bank valuations better than real estate agents. 
there's different scenarios. When it comes to valuing my property for the broker to put in an application and release equity, well, who gives a re- what a real estate agent thinks? doesn't matter. Well, it, it doesn't matter anyway, does it? Like at the well, end of the day, but- they don't make the firm decisions of lending money. No, but the real estate valuations do matter if you are selling your house and you've had three agents or four agents come through that you've interviewed, one of them's 300 grand more than the other one and they're blowing smoke up your ass to get the deal, get you locked in after two months, oh no, we've got to lower it. Yeah, yeah. Like but that I suppose, Yeah, it does matter, but I suppose what I'm saying is that the market and the public will tell you what it's worth. Uh, mm. as soon as you list. But you're right, you could choose the wrong agent because, oh, they're going to get me 300K more. Fantastic, I'm going to go with them. Yeah, which, yeah. and when you sell a property, do you think it's wise to speak to at least three agents in your area? 100%, yeah. And you'd really want them to be guesstimating because a local agent knows your local area more than you do, trust me. I'm but, trusting you. Yeah, trust me, Johnny. But are you saying, well, if they're all within 10% of each other of what they think, you pretty much can say, well, now it's going to be your fees are reasonable. I get along with you better. She's always returned my calls and he was like, so I'm going with this lady other than over this guy. Yeah. But if, yeah, if one comes in and they categorically say there's more, that could be a red flag. Do you think? Potentially, yeah. Look, and, and all this is free information, but I'll give you another free tip. You can jump on ratemyagent.com.au and type in your suburb or postcode and it'll give you the top performing agents in your area by uh, the public's feedback. So you can't push your way up that list, Adam Gill. Yeah, what did he say? Hello, everyone. I'm new to this group. How has everyone been dealing with the cost of living crisis that's been going on for the last year or so? My personal life has been difficult. My life has never been this hard before financially. I have a plan. I'm sticking to it. I know I can get out of this hole. Life is a great journey. Yeah, so I just kind of put this in there as a shout out to Adam uh, to say welcome to the Facebook group if you listen to the podcast. I just wanted to acknowledge that, you know, it's tough out there and in these tough financial times, I believe with our personal budget and spending that we have to pay more attention and get more micro than ever before. So what I do now, every time I need fuel in my car, as an example, like I'm in Newcastle, if I've got to go down the coast to you, John, I need fuel. I pull up the New South Wales fuel app. I've selected that I'd take premium fuel and it does all the prices. I'm like, yeah, well, I don't need to stop at Belmont North. I'll stop at Charlestown, save six cents a litre, done. So I'm getting micro on all this stuff. I've just changed my mobile phone plan, all right, because I could get a better deal and, you know, you've got to get micro in each line item of your budget. If you've got a mortgage and you haven't spoken to your broker or lender over the last six months and asked if there can be a rate review, you've got to get on the phone and get micro. That's all. Like it is a cost of living crunch. If you haven't talked to your boss and you're a good worker about a pay rise in the last 12 months, make sure you're adding value. Make sure that, you know, if you knock on their door and say, can we talk about pay? They don't say, well, I'm glad you're here because I didn't mean to talk to you. Stop slacking off. You have to get micro in every area of your financial life 
when there is such a tight cost of living crisis at the moment. You know, inflation has peaked. It is on the way down. It could be another two years of high inflation. Like it could literally take two or three years for interest rates to quote unquote do their thing and for inflation to get back down under 4%, under 3%. Could take more. You know, old mate in Russia could turn over and press the red go button and it goes crazy again. Like it's tough. You've got to get micro. Keep getting out of debt if you're in debt. Keep focused. Keep having an emergency fund. If you don't have an emergency fund and you do have some spare money left each month, your reason for living financially after you paid all your bills and food and bought some kids' clothes, your reason for living is to build your emergency fund. Simple as that. But welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the group, Adam. And you are welcome here. Anyone is welcome. Doesn't matter your age, vibe, creed or faith or whatever they say. It doesn't matter, whatever. We're all people that have money coming in or all people that have money going out. And we're all here to be encouraged and to optimize our financial position. Absolutely. Everyone's got a different version of these times depending on the situation you're in, haven't they? Like retirees, maybe not too many of them tuning in here today, but they might be cash heavy, no mortgage, and they're getting great results in a term deposit. Whereas those trying to save for a um, for their first deposit on a house uh, are, are finding it tough. Those with a mortgage are finding it maybe even tougher because they've had so many rate rises. So it, it's understanding what your version is, and you've mentioned it, Glenn, that the, the, I suppose the one percenters that we can be always doing. But um, there's been a lot of commentary, I suppose, uh, well, people that I talk to that talk about the older folk that talk about the 17 and 18% days of interest rates and, and how that we just had to bunker down and see it through the whole tough times never last, but tough people do type uh, philosophy and, and just know that you'll get by and it'll be okay, but we've just got to grit the teeth in, in certain areas. Um, they talk about the fact that there was no gadgets, there was no eating out, there was no um, travelling, like there probably wasn't too many airfares um, for sale back then, but they just did what they need to do to let that pass. And this will pass as well, or it'll be a new norm that we'll adjust to and then we move on. Mm, yeah, totally. Anyway, hang in there, everyone. Everyone's got their squeeze, as John said. All right, we'll leave it there. John, have you got 10 minutes? I have got 10 minutes. All right, we'll uh, we'll have an after party after we end the episode, but thanks everyone for hanging around today. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Um, far out. Our episodes seem to go for a while now, don't they? Uh, yeah, what was that? It's uh, like 107 minutes at the moment, pre-edited. So everyone, I was just thinking, I don't know why we do long episodes. We get paid the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, you put so much in the production notes. Like, where's I do. that happen? Maybe I need to throw a couple out, man. Well, no, how many questions did we do? We did one, two, three, four, five questions. Yeah, 10 minutes a question. That's 50 minutes. So do you want to hear a couple of fraud stories? <laughs> Go for it. So I'm sitting down at Estebar the other day having my cup of coffee in the morning. I get a phone call and I usually don't answer calls from numbers that I don't know, but I answered the call. Hey, Glenn, it's so-and-so from Service New South Wales. And she said, oh, did, did you put a, a New South Wales grant fund request in for, when she told me the entity name. Um, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe like my accountant may have done something during, because I think my accountant did something with Service New South Wales with small business grants or something during COVID. So I'm like, yeah. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, no, that's a new entity. We didn't do anything with that. Anyway, long story short, she goes, oh, do you know this person? I'm like, nope, never heard of them. Well, they've put the thing in. Um, they've put your company name. Um, do you have a bank account with Bank West? I'm like, nope. So long story short, someone used my company name. They've obviously searched something, went into Service New South Wales, put a request through for a grant for my company and a different bank account and someone else's name. Wow. And she, she goes, so, all right. She goes, well, you might get a call from the police. Uh, I'm like, oh, geez, it's, it's like, sure, they can call me. I'm like, I don't, want, I don't want to talk to more people about crap. Like, yeah. but, and, um, and then I was like, oh, because I'm thinking Service New South Wales, this company, like how did you get my mobile number? Because I'm pretty sure this company isn't even connected to Service New South Wales because it's a new entity. Yeah. She's like, oh, no, we're – We've got links with the ATO, the information <laughs> matching. Oh, yeah, I bet you do. I bet you do. Um, so that was another fun one. So the other one, this 
This is wild. This is so wild. One of my properties is up for rent. The tenants are moving out and um, get a call from the end of last week, get a call from the uh, agent. Hey, Glenn, I got a really good application. Um, young couple, she's this, you know, professional service. He's a professional soccer player with the Central Coast Mariners. He's on 350 grand a year. Um, this was to the week before the grand final. Right. And she goes, yep, I think, you know, the income's there. Anyway, I'm just like, hmm, I've had Mariner players as clients when I was in financial advice. And I know a lot of the Mariner's players aren't on that type of income. So over the weekend, so I Googled the guy's name and just didn't come up. Text my friends who were into soccer. I'm like, oh, have you heard of this guy? He plays for the Mariners apparently. Nah. I'm like, oh, he must be bloody moving to Newcastle, playing for the Jets next year or something. Anyway, nothing online. Like found his Instagram profile, nothing really to say that he's plays for the Mariners or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, I sent an email because um, this is a thing, everyone, like if you are engaging a property agent to do your stuff, like it still falls on you to do yeah. some due diligence, right? Yeah, totally. I sent her an email. Thanks for call the other day. I said, can you please provide me on some more information on old mate's actual employer and actual income? For someone on like $450,000 at his age, Google doesn't show much. And did the reference stack up from previous rentals? And she goes, I have employment confirmation for both of them, just waiting on rental history. I met with them this morning. They were very lovely, seemed clean and tidy and well-mannered. Uh, I don't have any problems with them. They're happy to pay their holding deposit and are ready to move in with current tenants, move out at the end of the month. Oh, I wrote back and I'm like, cool. And I said... So who's his actual employer and what's his actual salary? Anyway, she called me back. She called the Central Coast Mariners, got onto the finance. And this was the Monday after they won the grand final, right? Yeah, like, yeah. No one's gonna, answering the phones. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know how she got onto them. Yeah. She goes, no, we've never heard of that guy in, your, in our life. Yeah. Never heard of him. Wow. Anyway, she went back to this dude and said, they haven't heard of you. And he's like, well, that's weird. He sent the agent a contract, what? Football Federation Australian contract, filled it all out, all this stuff, sent a pay slip, filled it all out. She sent the contract to the Mariners and said, is this the, is, yeah, this is they're like, one, we use zero. That doesn't look, that's not a zero pay slip. Two, that's not our contracts. That's a, standard yeah. generic Football yeah, yeah. Federation Australia contract. And that's not the CEO's signature. Wow. They're going to go to the police because they've he's forged the CEO's signature. Anyway, she called me. I said, I'll oh, just tell him to get stuff. Like, because yeah. I was initially like, if you've got a lower income and you're just honest with me yeah. and it stacks up, I don't care. Like, yeah. I'll take a risk on they, anyone. They went like, too hard mentioning 450, didn't they? Yeah. Like, anyway, next minute, so she emailed him or whatever and said, no, nah, we can't verify it. They've never heard of you. She got an email <laughs> from like info.centralcoastmariners at gmail.com. <laughs> 
saying hi, just confirming so-and-so is an employer, we he's an employee, we hear there's some confusion. <laughs> <laughs> so he's created a fake. An email address. Yeah, like wow. so the weird thing was she's like, oh, I'm going to actually call the girlfriend and just say to her like, Jeez. hey, just, I don't know, like you guys are young. I don't know how long yeah. you've known old mate. But Are you in on this or not? Well, 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 yeah, we can't verify his employment or anything. Yeah. Wow. So fascinating story. All that to say, if you're a property owner and you've got an agent, you need to, the buck stops with you. Yeah. And- so there's another couple that are looking at the property now to rent and, you know, one of them, they're a bit older, one is retired and one's still working. You know, I said, that's fine. Do they have any other assets? Because if they don't pay, mm. I'm holding the bag. Mm. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll be as reasonable as possible. But if you start about lying to me, you can get yeah. stuffed. Yeah, bugger off. Um, I've got a, a horror story for a, a client um, basically got a tenant that won't pay. Is basically squatting in their house. This um, this client she owns the property in New South Wales, but she lives in uh, Victoria. Mm. So apparently there is a ruling that says if you don't live in New South Wales and you don't live in a, a territory, uh, we can't have a tribunal hearing for your property to get the tenant out because you don't reside here. Mm. Um, so basically this tenant who's a business owner in Tookley has been re- living rent-free since the start of the year and won't get out and won't pay. So it's going through the court process with eviction letters and whatever else, but uh, the, the power is with the, the tenant, unfortunately. And she she runs like this beauty therapy, like lip fillers and all this sort of stuff, charging $1,300 a, a pop for this stuff, yet she won't pay rent. Yeah, odd. Like I rent, I'm a tenant. My number one financial responsibility is to make sure I pay rent every week. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's integrity and, yeah. And I get people go through tough times, but when you bury your head in the sand and you don't communicate, yeah, like that's when it's odd. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, so, oh, just a fun fact, everyone, if you are interested in upskilling, TAFE have a heap of free courses. Do they? Yep. And I've just enrolled in one. Wow. What's it in? Oh, I'm just, cause I'm, I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> you do get bored. And like I've been probably the last few weeks, as you know, like only really working a few days a week yeah, and helping my friend do his house and boating or whatever and I just need something else. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing a – and I don't know if it would be a waste of time or whatever, but it's a certificate in um, – it's only a certificate too, so very entry level in um, marine operations. Right. That's cool. Yeah. So it's six weeks full-time face-to-face in yeah. Newcastle. Yeah. And yeah, I thought I'd give that a go because maybe one day I can get a qualified and go and get a job on one of the tugboats in Newcastle Harbour or something like that. Because, you know, I've actually found by, you know, working at a friend's house a couple of days a week while he's renovating, like doing electrical stuff or plumbing and not plumbing, but painting rather, you know, having that disconnect between me sitting at a computer all day podcasting, when I do do the podcast, I enjoy it more. 
I reckon, yeah. Variety. Yeah, right. Mix it up a bit. The monotony of doing the same thing hurts everyone, doesn't it? Yeah, like I'm over it. Mm. <laughs> oh, everyone, you're, um, your job's safe, but and the podcast isn't going anywhere. But like, yeah, I just um, yeah, I just need to mix up my life a bit. So, oh, look, it's common you, for a, a lot of people. Mm, mm. So, yeah, if you want to upskill or do something out of personal interest, check out, um, yeah, the TAFE website or the, I think TAFE's national, isn't it? Yeah. It's just, yeah, so check it all out. Um, who knows? You might see me on the high seas one day, friends. <laughs> All right, Captain Kirk. All right, see ya. <laughs>